night in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. And as you at home find your place in the Word of God, uh, I'll have you stand as we do so often here at Valley Bible Baptist Church. And uh, you can take uh, your Bible and stand with us in honor of the reading of God's Word. I, I do want to mention that tomorrow night at 7 o'clock we have services in Spanish, and Brother Gilberto will be uh, preaching in Spanish, and that will be at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. And then we will do so again Sunday morning at uh, 10 o'clock, the Spanish service, English service at 11 o'clock, and then on Sunday evening, 5 o'clock for the Spanish service and the English service at 6 o'clock. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12, uh, we are going to be looking at verses 7 through 10. And you can follow me as we read together the Word of God. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7. And Paul says, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong." So often, God has used that portion of Scripture in a time of need in my own life. And God has over and over dealt with my heart about this thought, my grace is sufficient for thee. Again, at home, you can join me as we go to the Lord in prayer. We ask God's blessing here upon this message and upon this service. Father, thank you again for the privilege of opening the Word of God. And I thank you for this love letter that you have given unto us. And this love letter expressing a need or expressing an answer for every need of our life. I pray, Lord, that you would use uh, this letter to minister uh, here tonight, uh, whatever that point of need is. And Lord, I ask for your power. I ask for clarity of thought tonight that you would guide me, help me to say and to preach that which you want to be spoken tonight. We pray in the name of Jesus Amen. And if you're at home and standing with us, you may be seated. We're going to deal tonight with this thought, my, my grace is sufficient for thee. Now, Paul the Apostle, of all people, understood the grace of God. Now, Paul the Apostle was saved by grace. He was kept by grace. He served the Lord through grace. He suffered by grace, and in the end, he died by grace. Interestingly, every single one of Paul's letters mentioned the grace of God. Uh, the grace of God was so important to him. He lived in that grace. He uh, prayed uh, that his followers might know uh, that same grace that he had known in his life. I want to give you the Webster's 1828 Dictionary definition of grace. Grace is the unmerited love and favor of God. It is the spring and source of all the benefits men receive from Him. 
Now tonight as we look at this thought and just follow the, the thoughts of Paul the Apostle, I, I think all of us would have to express tonight that we are in desperate, desperate need of God's grace. Uh, we as individuals need the grace of God. Uh, Valley Bible Baptist Church, we need the grace of God. I believe as a nation, uh, we are in desperate need of God's grace. Uh, uh, these are different days. I, I had the privilege last night of listening in to a, a prayer conference and uh, there were 207 independent Baptist uh, ministers and preachers, evangelists, missionaries uh, that were involved in that prayer conference. We uh, had the privilege or the honor of hearing from a representative from the state of Idaho. And uh, this representative just expressed some of the things that are uh, really going on behind the scenes and uh, how important, how necessary, how we need uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and how we need a touch from God and how we need revival today. Now, Paul had experienced so many blessings from God. Uh, he spoke of visions, of revelations here in the first part of chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians. Uh, Paul was a chosen vessel of God, uh, chosen to take the gospel to the Gentile world. Uh, Paul was mightily used of God. Multitudes of people were saved through the ministry and life of Paul the Apostle. Uh, many churches were planted over that part of the world through the ministry of Paul the Apostle. And the church letters of Paul are such a blessing, as well as the letters that Paul penned to individuals. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7, Paul states, And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, uh, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. It's very clear in the Word of God and in history. Uh, success can be a source of pride. In ministry, many have been destroyed on the rocks of pride. Uh, God has used them. Uh, they've seen the hand of God or the touch of God or the blessing of God. And then pride has gone to their head. And soon pride brings them down. Uh, in the business world, uh, I uh, find that, that often somebody in a place of success uh, can be prideful and soon be brought to the bottom. Just today I, I spoke with somebody that uh, expressed that very thought to me and, and how they had been so blessed in business and, and now brought to a place of business almost closing down. As a nation, we have been so blessed, and yet it's evident that uh, we have trusted not in God but in ourselves. and often this pride of our accomplishments and the pride of materialism can bring us down. And so Paul says, God, lest I should be exalted above measure, allowed me to be buffeted by this thorn in the flesh. Uh, Paul prayed that this thorn might be removed. Uh, God allowed this. It was a reminder to Paul of his weakness. I, I find that many times in my life, uh, God gives me a reminder of my weakness. Uh, he shows me that I am frail. He shows me that without him, I can do nothing. And I believe that God is doing such a thing 
in the United States right now and across the world right now. We are seeing the evidence of the weakness of man and seeing a great need today for the hand of God. Now again, in verse number eight, three times, Paul said, for this thing, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And God gave to Paul this answer in verse number nine. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. That was God's answer. You see, God knew what was best. God had all power, all authority. God, had he wanted or desired, could have immediately removed the thorn from Paul. But God knew that character is more important than comfort. And so God was building in Paul's this life this character of dependence, this character quality of humility. And to accomplish this, uh, the Lord had to allow Paul to be in a place that was not so comfortable. And sometimes God does that in our lives. God knows what is best. He knows what is best for you. He knows what is best for our church. He knows what is best for this nation. And God may say to us for a time, my grace is sufficient for thee. I want to break down these verses tonight in a couple of key thoughts. First of all, the source of grace. And he said unto me, my grace. You see, Jesus Christ is the fountain. He's the spring. He's the source of grace. This past summer, we were hiking with the men and some of the young men towards Church's Peak. We came to a spring. That was the source. Uh, this spring would feed into the little creek uh, down below, and, and that uh, spring was such an important part of that, of that creek. And, and so it is, Jesus Christ is that spring. He's that source. He's that fountain. That's Christ. That's grace. Somebody defined grace as God's riches at Christ's expense. Uh, Paul shared with Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And I've underlined that in my Bible, the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, as we study the Word of God, there are really uh, two plans uh, for salvation, for service. Uh, uh, the first would be that of the law. And the law was dependent upon man. In the book of Exodus, chapters 19 and 20, God implemented the law. Interestingly, the children of Israel responded to the law. And they said, all that God has said unto us, we will do. But no sooner had they made the commitment to God, no sooner had God given the law, than they rebelled against God. They uh, created a golden calf and began to worship that calf. They did not have the power in their flesh to be obedient unto God. Uh, man's ability always falls short because the flesh is weak. Man is a fallen creature. Man has a fallen nature. Uh, the law simply reveals our weakness. And likewise, sometimes the events of life reveal who we are. 
Uh, when you squeeze, squeeze a lemon, you get lemon juice. And sometimes in difficulties, as we're squeezed, uh, we discover that uh, we don't have really uh, inside what we need, and God has to build that. And, and so one method that God deals with man is by way of the law. But then God deals with man through grace. And in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 3, the word of God reads, For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Of course, tonight we know that Christ perfectly fulfilled the law. Christ never sinned. Everything that Jesus did was right and holy. The Lord Jesus Christ offered his life a sacrifice for our sin. He offered a perfect blood as that sacrifice. That perfect blood was given on our account. And it's on this basis that the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for thee. You see, from the cross, Jesus cried out, it is finished. And what he was expressing is the price has been paid. Uh, the work has been accomplished. I have fulfilled the Father's requirement. And so every need of man is met through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the source of grace. Uh, the Lord says, my grace. Now secondly tonight, we see the sufficiency of grace. He says, my grace is sufficient for thee. Now when I read that statement, I picture in my mind a vast ocean of fresh water. I picture a cup in my hand. And I picture that every time I am thirsty. I can go to that ocean with my cup. I can fill that cup, and I can never exhaust the supply of that ocean. It is a continuous supply. It is a vast supply, an unending supply. And so it is with God's grace. It is sufficient for thee. I relate this thought tonight and just a couple of, uh, of thoughts about that sufficiency. You see, tonight grace is sufficient for salvation. Uh, Paul the Apostle discovered this. He lived a life of religion. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Uh, he was seeking to kill and persecute Christians. He was on the road to Damascus with letters to do such. And on that road, the Lord Jesus Christ met Paul the Apostle. Uh, he was blinded. Uh, he cried out uh, to Paul, and why do you kick against the pricks? And, and Paul uh, was brought to his knees. He was brought to a place of humility. And Paul had to come to realize, as he spoke in Philippians chapter 3, that all of his righteousness were as filthy rags. Uh, Paul had to come to the place where he did not trust himself, but he would trust the finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary. He stated in the book of Philippians, if you want to turn there with me to chapter number 3, and you can read about this, and it's Paul's testimony of his salvation. Uh, Paul said in verse 7 of Philippians 3, What things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. 
And he's referring to his life of religion, his life as a Pharisee. And he states in verse number 9 of Jesus Christ, And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. You see, Paul had to come to this place of being saved by God's grace. He had to die to himself. He had to realize, I cannot save myself. All of my goodness is in vain. All of my religion is in vain. And the only way that I can be saved and go to heaven is through the marvelous, wonderful grace of Jesus accomplished upon the cross of Calvary. In the book of Ephesians, uh, Paul penned in verses 8 and 9 of chapter 2, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so when we speak of that grace that is sufficient for salvation, it, it was sufficient for Paul, one that had murdered and killed Christians. And yet by God's marvelous grace that was placed under the blood of Jesus Christ. I think of testimony after testimony in the Word of God. That marvelous grace was sufficient for Rahab, who had lived a life of sin, yet by faith put her trust in the God of Israel and was gloriously saved and even mentioned in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 as a testimony of faith. Uh, that marvelous grace of Jesus was sufficient for the thief on the cross. Uh, here's one that is at the moment of death. And yet at the last moment, in a desperate need, he cried out to Jesus Christ and asked for the mercy of God, that he might be remembered uh, by the Lord. And we know that the thief was saved at that very moment. He didn't come down from the cross to be baptized. He didn't come down from the cross to join a church. He, he didn't come down from the cross to begin to do marvelous works. No, the Lord uh, took that thief just as he was, and just as he was, he forgave that sin. He washed it uh, in the blood. He was clean and washed white as snow, God's marvelous grace. I think of Zacchaeus, uh, the publican. Uh, the one that was not so well liked, despised by people. And yet, as the Lord Jesus Christ looked up into that sycamore tree, uh, we read of Zacchaeus, that moment he was changed, he was saved, his whole life set free by the marvelous grace of Jesus. Can I say to you tonight, those listening to this message, that the grace of Jesus is sufficient for you. During these times of desperate need, many hearts are filled with fear. Where would I go? What's happening in the world? What's taking place? It may very well be that God is seeking to use these events to show you your weakness. The only way you can have that peace of God in your heart, that peace of God for eternity, is through that marvelous grace of Jesus Christ, crying out to Him tonight, Admitting to him that you're lost. Admitting to him that you do not have peace in your heart. Admitting to him that you so desperately need him. And by faith, turning your eyes upon what Jesus did for you upon the cross of Calvary. By faith, believing in Christ who died for you. I've loved Romans 5 and verse number 20. But where sin abounded, grace did much more 
abound. I don't care where you've been or what you've done or how far from God that you are. I believe that as Jesus shed that blood upon the cross of Calvary, that that blood is sufficient to save and to forgive all that will call upon the name of the Lord. Uh, the Lord can save you tonight in just a moment of time. I can give you peace in your heart about your eternal destiny. You see, there is grace that is sufficient for salvation. But beyond salvation, there's grace sufficient for your security. Paul stated in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 12, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. And then Paul stated, For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. What Paul was expressing in that verse is I have believed upon the Lord. I know that I have placed my faith upon him. And Paul's expressing, I'm not able to keep myself, but his grace is sufficient to keep me. John chapter 10, verses 27, 28, 29. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand, Jesus said. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Uh, what that simply expresses is that when we have placed our faith upon the Lord Jesus Christ, that the Lord will take us and hold us and keep us. My salvation was by grace through faith in Christ. Not only was I saved by grace, but I am kept by the marvelous, wonderful grace of God. It is eternal life, and if the Lord gave to me that gift of eternal life, and I could lose it, then I submit to you tonight that it was not eternal. Uh, in the book of 1 John chapter 5, verse number 13, uh, the Lord said, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the only begotten Son of God. You see, tonight you can know that you know that you know that you know that you're saved. And no matter what happens in our world today, you can have the peace of God that God is in control. Because he takes you and keeps you and holds you. You can have that marvelous peace. It's not pride to be able to say, I know. You see, to be able to say, I know, is not dependent upon me. It's dependent upon the grace of Jesus Christ. Uh, the life of Abraham, I think so well, illustrates for us this security. In Genesis chapter 12, God called Abraham. Abraham left all behind, made his way to uh, Canaan land. And God promised him there in Canaan land that he would make of him a nation and he would give him that land. Uh, we find soon after Abraham arrived in Canaan land, there was a famine in the land. And we see Abraham's failure. In a state of discouragement, Abraham made his way to Egypt. And then we find God called Abraham then out of Egypt back to Canaan land, back to the place of the altar. And yet not long after coming back to the place of the altar, we see the weakness again of his faith. We find that Abraham offered his servant 
as the promised child. And God said, no, I'm going to give you a child uh, from, your own, uh, from your own body. And, and God gave that promise uh, to Abraham. Then Genesis chapter 16, again, Abraham, in the weakness of his faith, had the child by Hagar. Uh, there was God's chastening hand. There was God's discipline. But the fact is, God never let go of Abraham. That's the marvelous grace, the keeping power of Jesus Christ. I read the testimony years ago of a, a young man that struggled with doubts and feelings about his salvation. He went to his preacher and he said, Preacher, I feel like I am on the ocean and I'm bobbing up and down and I'm doing all that I can to stay afloat and I'm afraid that at any moment I might sink and I might drown. The preacher very wisely gave an illustration. He said, young man, just let yourself go. Let your feet sink down. And as your feet sink down and you give up on yourself, you will find below your feet on that ocean bottom is a rock. And that rock is steadfast and that rock will never move and that rock will hold you. And no matter how the waves storm around you and no matter how the storm rages, you're safe and secure in Jesus Christ, saved by grace and kept by grace. There's grace sufficient for security tonight. There's somebody tonight that maybe you've battled back and forth. And I want to encourage you to turn to Christ, die to yourself, let go and let Jesus put your trust in him. Let me take this a step further. There is grace sufficient for sin. You see, even after we're saved, we sin. Uh, Paul described it in, in Romans chapter 7. Uh, Paul said, the things that I, I don't want to do, I find myself doing. I, I find myself being so weak. In the book of 1 John, and if you have your Bibles at home, would you turn there with me to the book of 1 John? And, and this describes that, that grace that is sufficient for our sin. In 1 John chapter 1 verse 7, it stated, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And they move into chapter 2 of 1 John. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now the Bible speaks here of Christ that he is our advocate. That's kind of like being our lawyer. So often uh, when we sin, Satan is an accuser. Uh, the thing that breaks my heart uh, the most as a, as a Christian is my own failure. I'm like Paul. Sometimes I, I do things I don't want to do and I say things I don't want to say and I fall short of what I want to be before the Lord. Uh, my own heart so often filled with deceit or unbelief or pride. 
And at times that old accuser, Satan, comes along and he brings up that past of my life and stirs up those uh, feelings uh, of emotion and guilt and sometimes things that I've already put under the blood of Jesus Christ. I find that the Lord has promised he's my advocate, he's my lawyer, and that his grace is sufficient tonight for my sin. So a young man that was serving the Lord. He was growing. He was fruitful. Then Satan tricked him, uh, tripped him up, and he fell, and he failed. And then guilt and shame took over in his life. He, he felt useless, powerless, uh, cast aside. He felt he could no longer be used of God. But he discovered God's grace, and he confessed that sin unto the Lord, and he went to all that he had failed, and the Lord wiped that slate clean, and he went forward serving Jesus Christ. As I speak tonight, somebody is struggling with something in your heart. Somebody here tonight that hears this message, there's bitterness in your heart. For somebody else, it might be unforgiveness. Somebody hurts you deeply, and you can't forgive them. Perhaps it's unbelief, doubt. Maybe for you it's pride or perhaps a besetting sin, a bad habit of your life. And I want to encourage you tonight to take your cup to that ocean of God's grace and to fill that cup with the marvelous grace of Jesus and to put that sin under the blood of Christ. There's grace sufficient for your sin. And there's grace tonight sufficient for service. You see, Paul understood grace in his service to Christ. He said, when I am weak, then am I strong. Give you a couple of illustrations of this in the life of Paul. Take your Bibles with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 3. Ephesians, chapter number 3. And I want you to notice a couple of verses here. Paul's statement, his understanding of God's grace in his service. Chapter 3, verse number 7. He says, Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God, given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. It's very well stated also in the book of 1 Corinthians. Chapter number 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says, And I, brethren, verse 1, When I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And he says, In my speech, my preaching, was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and the power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And, and Paul recognized in his preaching, in his ministry, his own weakness. And yet he found the grace of the Lord. You see, if we could only grasp this truth tonight, God does not ask us to serve according to our ability or our power or our own resources. God is looking for 
availability. Not your ability, but your availability to the Lord. We are all inadequate in ourselves. Now, during this crisis, we feel weak, and that's actually good. In our weakness, God's grace is sufficient. When we can't, He can. And it's at the end of ourselves that He can actually take over, and, and this crisis opens up so many doors in the hearts and lives of people. I'm finding people more receptive to the gospel than perhaps any other time. And I believe how we need the grace of God in ministering. And you say, but what can I do? The Lord just wants you to be available to him tonight that he might take you and use you during this time. There's grace sufficient for serving. And there is grace tonight sufficient for suffering. Back in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, there was Paul's thorn in the flesh. And evidently that thorn brought with it much suffering. Uh, so many things in Paul's life and ministry that he suffered. He went through a prison much of his life spent in the prison house. Uh, he faced shipwreck, beatings, hunger, and cold. Uh, many things that Paul endured, and yet in each and every situation, God gave to Paul the grace. Now, many things about tomorrow we don't know. Whatever God allows, we know that he's in control, and we know that whatever God allows, you can go through it, because his grace is sufficient. I've talked to some that are fearful. They've lost jobs for a time being. Where will the money come from? How will they meet their needs? Uh, some fearful of the virus and various needs of people. And I don't know about tomorrow, but I know the God who holds tomorrow. And I know that God tells me in my weakness that his grace is sufficient. And whatever we suffer or face, uh, God uh, will give the grace for it at the time. He says that nothing would separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's grace sufficient for suffering. And then for Paul, there was grace sufficient for dying. You see, this, this virus has put a lot of fear into a lot of people. And a lost world has no hope. But God, for his children, has not given us the spirit of fear. Uh, Paul the Apostle, at the end of his life, knowing that his life was short, uh, expressed that his time of departure was at hand. He said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. And he said, the Lord has promised me that, that crown of righteousness. And not to me only, but to all them that love his appearing. So there's sufficiency in grace when it comes time to die. The sufficiency of grace. It's an ample supply for every need. Go with me again to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We see here the securing of grace. How can that grace be ours? In verse number 9, the Lord said, My grace is sufficient for thee. But notice the statement, For my strength is made perfect in weakness. It's an ironic principle of the Bible. It's in my weakness that I find God's strength. 
Paul said to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. But to be strong in God's grace, we have to be weak in ourselves. In James chapter 4, verse number 6, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. In verse number 10 of James 4, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. It's illustrated in the life of Gideon. Land was overrun by the Midianites. Uh, there was fear and destruction. Uh, Gideon was hiding, and the children of Israel hiding in dens and caves. And God chose Gideon in his weakness. And Gideon stated to the Lord, I'm the least in my father's house. And God made to that man or of that man a mighty man of valor. And the story of Gideon so well illustrates that in our weakness, God is very powerful. God reduced the army of Gideon to 300 soldiers. And with those 300 soldiers, the Midianites were defeated. What God or what Gideon could not do, God did through Gideon. But he did so through Gideon's weakness. And it illustrates for us the securing through weakness, through humility, we find God's grace and God's strength. Now let me finish tonight with this thought, and that's the supernatural aspect of grace. In 2 Corinthians 9, or 12, chapter 12, verse number 9, Paul states at the latter part of the verse, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And then he says, Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. You see, again, grace does through a man or a woman or a boy or a girl what they cannot do for themselves. Uh, grace, uh, when one depends upon the Lord, allows the Lord in our weakness to show himself strong. Now consider what grace can do tonight. We've, we've said grace can save. You cannot save yourself tonight. But when you come to the end of yourself and you realize that you cannot do it as you bow before the Lord Jesus Christ, grace can do what you could not do. A grace tonight can change your life. What you cannot do, grace can do. And the Bible said we're saved by grace, but we are then His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Tonight, grace can deliver you from sin. How you cannot overcome sin, God working through you can overcome sin. Tonight, grace can empower you for service. Grace allows God to do through you what you're not able to do. And grace allows God to do through you what you do not even deserve. You see, grace uh, transforms me and my life so that it can be pleasing to God, so that it can be fruitful to God. And see, grace will help me through whatever crisis I face. And no matter what comes, the Lord says... My grace is sufficient for thee. The source of grace tonight is Jesus Christ. The sufficiency of grace, it is sufficient for thee. The securing of that grace is through humility. And the supernatural aspect of that grace 
Is God doing the supernatural, the impossible in your life and through your life as you humble yourself before him? Now, I want to ask that wherever you are, you right at this moment would go to the Lord in prayer. That you would bow your head to Jesus Christ. If you are as a family listening to this message, would you within your home have your own invitation? And as you bow your heads before the Lord, can you say tonight in the depth of your hearts, I know that I'm saved. I know that my salvation is not dependent upon me or my religion, but I put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. Can you say that from the depths of your heart? And if you cannot say that, I want to challenge you tonight with the uncertainty of the days ahead of us. Would you right now, from the depths of your heart, admit to the Lord that you're a sinner? in need of His grace. Would you put your faith and trust in Him alone? Would you turn from yourself, your religion, your self-effort? Would you turn to Jesus tonight? Uh, maybe tonight, as your head is bowed, you see the weakness of your own heart. Uh, perhaps your heart is filled with fear or with sin. Uh, maybe something that you've struggled with in the depths of your heart. Would you admit that to the Lord? Perhaps there is in your life this thorn in the flesh. And you recognize that God is more interested tonight in your, uh, in your character than your comfort. Would you thank the Lord for that thorn? Would you come into his presence, into his holiness tonight, and depend upon him for your every need? I want to encourage you, if you make a decision for the Lord tonight, would you please communicate that with us, that we might uh, be able to help you in that decision as you would seek to follow the Lord and to obey the Lord. I want to encourage you, and God gives grace unto you to serve Him. Look for those opportunities, those divine appointments. Be bold in your witness, and God will give you grace as you minister in these days unto others. Bow your heads. Let us pray. 